I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Diving Deep with Sam Fricker. Today we have one of my good friends, but also great person who actually started the Good Human Factory, Cooper Chapman, professional surfer, now a mental health. I would say you're one of the leaders in what you do in the industry. And I want to thank you so much for coming on today, Cooper. It's good to have you. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I've um, been excited for this chat. You've been a good friend of mine for a while. You've been on my podcast. You've helped represent the good human factory yourself as an ambassador i've loved watching your journey not only your diving mm. not your social media stuff your environment work there's so many assets to what you're doing that i'm super inspired by so i think we're gonna have a really fun chat today yeah i i appreciate that we've done a lot of sustainability stuff together we flew down to Dubbo recently mm. uh, to give a talk down there but on you the good human factory when you were motivated to start a business start doing something outside of surfing why something positive? Why something good? What made you jump to the good human factory? Big question to start. Um, I don't know. I think I've always just had this feeling deep inside me somewhere that like I want to do something that gives back. I think as an athlete throughout my early 20s, I was quite selfish at times and felt like, yeah, it was almost like everybody around you when you're an athlete is trying to help you achieve your goals. Mm. And then it just not didn't sit well with me, but I started to read a lot of books. I started to find myself in a bit of a lost place at times when I lost my sponsor and went through some challenging uh, times in my career. I started to read a lot of books and a theme that kept coming up was service, that people who are happy, that people who are fulfilled in life are doing something of service for others. And there was a book I read, um, I think it's by Brianna Weiss called The Mountain Is You. And it talks, I don't even know if it's that book, but there's this concept of there's two mountains that you climb in life. The first is kind of climbing the mountain for your own success and your own pride. And a lot of people get to the top of that and go, hmm, it's not really what I thought. And then you look across and there's this bigger mountain, which is the service mountain. And I feel like I've been lucky enough to start climbing that service mountain a lot younger than I think a lot of people do. I feel like quite often people get to their late 30s, 40s and go, wait, is this all there is to life? And I feel very lucky that I found the imp- the impact that service can have on you from a pretty young age. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to continue to try and help people throughout my life. Yeah, I love that. And being, being an athlete myself, I know that feeling when you feel like you've got the whole team, the physio, your coaches, your support network all behind you to try and go out and perform. And I feel like there is a there is a time for that as an athlete to do your job, but also give back. And as I am still competing, I want to try and give back along the way and try mm. to help out where I can as well. When when you were surfing, what was your mindset for for the for the, for the high performance there? 
I mean, high performance has always been something that I've loved, even from a young age. Like I remember when I was in my teen years, and I, and I talk about this in my keynote. I was never the most talented junior athlete, but I did have a bit of success. And I think I put it down to the fact that I was curious. How can I use my mind to get ahead of, get ahead of the game? I was always very interested in the mental side of sport, using psychology and different tricks and tips to get ahead of the game. And yeah, from a young age, I think that was a reason why I did do quite well throughout my junior career. I picked up on that from a pretty early time. But yeah, I don't know. Moving now into the rest of my life, I just feel like high performance is something everybody should look for, whether it be in their office job or whether it be trying to take care of your kids better. We should always be striving to get better and there's so many different ways we can do that. The way I kind of look at it like is we should never be just going through life. We should always be growing through life, trying to learn new stuff, trying mm-hmm. to meet new people, trying to expand and recognize that, hey, there's so much to learn out there that can make our lives better. Hundred percent. I think that anyone in any field can be the best version of themselves. Try to do better. What would be one of those high performance mind tricks you were using in surfing that could be useful to someone listening? I think a big one is mindfulness. This is like once again. I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout the throughout the chat today. The different work that I do now in my keynote speaking with the Good Human Factory. But mindfulness was something that I was exposed to from a young age as in meditation and yoga and different things where it's about bringing yourself back to the present moment. Who introduced you to that? Or did you find it? I think a few different people. Weirdly enough, this just popping into my head. There's this um, ex-pro surfer world champion, Barton Lynch. Yeah. And I used to be sponsored by Hurley uh, when I was younger and he was one of the coaches for Hurley. And his wife um, was a yoga instructor. And I don't know why this came to my head. I haven't told this story to anyone ever, ever since this. Exclusive but stuff. I, yeah, yeah. But I remember her talking through yoga and like talking us through these movements. And she explained that yoga isn't about the movement. It's about the breath. And I started to get fascinated by this idea of slowing your breath down and becoming more present. And don't, don't get me wrong. I definitely didn't practice mindfulness and meditation and all the stuff that I do now back then in my late teen years. But I was exposed to it and I was curious about it. And it wasn't until I got to a stage where I felt like I really needed it later in my 20s when I ran into a couple of difficult times that I realized the real benefit of it. But I was exposed to it at a young age, but didn't practice it, I guess, until more recently. Because I noticed when you give your talks, you actually do a mindfulness mindfulness section where you get people to stand up, take a breath, be in the moment. And I find it's so important to be grounded in the moment and it's really easy to get to get caught out of it especially the busier you are mm. the more productive you are the more things that you're doing so mm-hmm. i think mindfulness is such an important skill that even i as an athlete should be doing more of but i find most of that stuff in a high performance sport i've had to try and learn and figure out for myself those mental edges how to perform at your best when you need to aside from the mindfulness when you're surfing was there any other strategies you use to help you really pull it together on the day? Oh, I think routine was a big one for me. Just trying to know, okay, I'll listen to this music before, yeah. making sure that I'm watching the conditions always before my event, making sure my equipment's dialed in. I mean, it's, it's like any athlete. The better your preparation, the easier it is to compete. So I was always really big on making sure I was doing the right things and doing pretty similar things before every event. So it felt the same, but... I don't know. I've been asked questions like this for a while. These are good questions. I haven't really thought too much about this stuff in a while now. Looking back on my surf yeah. career, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it feels like a lifetime ago now, to be honest with the stuff I'm doing now. Because I'm competing at the at the moment and, and still training in, in the, the high-performance section. I I think about what 
what I do and what other people do and those mental edges you're talking about are a real thing and in training when we're chipping away everyone's there working hard it's about those small things that you're doing outside like your meditation like what you're eating drinking well making sure that you're you're on top of those small things they really make the difference another thing that i definitely that i just am reflecting on now that i did at periods of my career and i feel like those periods i was doing quite well was a lot of reflecting i had a diary that after every heat i would write down the scores that i got the mistakes i made the things i did well and do that throughout events so i could look back and go where's the patterns of the mistakes i continually make so i don't keep making them and that's something that my dad was always big on like try not to continually make the same mistake Mm. and he was always like it's great to learn from your mistakes but it's better to learn from other people's mistakes so i was always very curious and watching people and analytical of different things and yeah always trying to review what i did and yeah pick apart the things that went well pick apart the things that didn't do well and try not to repeat them and that is one of the best things about sport all the lessons you learn in the water on the Mm. platform is transferred straight over to nearly everything else that you do have you found that useful when you're building up the good human factory absolutely that's kind of what it comes back to that all the things that i talk about with the good human factory now relate back to values to living by values and i feel like once i was exposed and explained this idea of understanding what your values are and trying to live to them every day it just completely opened my mind to realizing hey wait a second these things are great for my performance being Mm -hmm. more mindful being more present but then they're also good for my overall well-being. And that's where I've really morphed into the work that I do now, talking about gratitude, kindness, mindfulness. When we're in a happy and a healthy place, we're going to perform at a higher level too. And there were so many times in my junior career when I was your age, like you're so much more mature than I was at your age, where I was just played the victim mindset. I would always have excuses. I would always try and blame somebody else for my own downfalls rather than looking for where was my part in this um, mistake? Where was my part in this poor result? And yeah, I just feel like that's something that I wish I had a mindset a bit more of when I was younger, but I'm mean, super grateful that I do now. That sheer ownership, I feel like is the only way. Mm. We have this joke at training. It's like, oh, it wasn't going well today. The pressure must have been off in the air. You know, like the air tasted a bit different. You can blame a hundred different things, but really at the end of the day, especially performance, you got to look internal. Yeah, yeah, unless you blame... If you're blaming somebody else, it's hard to get them to change, but it's a lot easier to improve yourself. Um, there's this great quote that I use once again in my workshops, but it's from this... It's a bit of a story. I'll tell it. It's this little metaphor about the tiger. So every day the tiger wakes up hungry and it has to hunt to survive. And every day a deer wakes up and kind of has to run away from tigers to survive. So this one day this deer spotted... I mean, tiger spotted the deer and then they both start running full speed to yeah both to survive one to survive by eating one and one to run away to survive and then they're chasing each other and then the deer takes a sharp cut to the right and the tiger slips in the mud and misses the opportunity the tiger doesn't go oh the bloody chamois didn't wash the water (laughs) off me oh the bloody speaker was a bit loud in my ear the tiger goes home hungrier he goes home and sharpens his claws and he comes back the next day to the hunt with sharper claws better than he was yesterday and when Mm. you take upon yourself the negative things that are happening in your life, that's when you really start taking over your life and moving forward in life. So I butcher that story, but the way that I'm... Um, I got the message. Yeah, yeah, like but it. just like when you go, okay, how can I sharpen my claws? Mm. I don't want to slip in that mud again tomorrow. What can I do to make myself better rather than come back tomorrow with excuses again? It's really hard though when you're in the mud, things oh. aren't going your way. It feels like you're copying loss after loss to then look in the mirror and say, this is my fault. Mm. I need to change something 
I need to do better. I need to do something different. What's gotten you through those those moments when you look in the mirror and things are tough, but you know it's you know you got to change. Oh, it's a hard one. I just feel like I did so long like that of taking and trying to duck and weave and not take on responsibility <laughs> for any downfalls. And then I just got tired of it, to be honest. I was just like, wait a second, I'm not growing when I'm being like this. I feel like as well, kind of going off this, one of the best things I've ever started to learn is when someone criticizes you, instead of trying to bite back, going, okay, where's the truth in what they're saying? Mm. And it's like, oh, there's always free ways to get better. But quite often we just let the ego get in the way of the lesson that's in the criticism that comes to most of us quite often it's like okay where's the truth in what that person's saying okay i can improve myself from that rather than going like oh no i'm not like that and biting it's like don't react to situations respond to them and go okay where can i get value from this and it's been a massive learning curve and it continually is i still have to check in on myself and i think the best thing that's helped me with that is reflection just each day going hmm did I handle that situation the best way I could? How could have I handled it differently? Okay, that situation comes up again. Instead of biting, going, okay, yeah, you know what? I probably can get better than that. And it's the best way to disarm like arguments I've found when somebody's like, oh, you dickhead, you did this to me. Mm-hmm. You go, actually, you know what? I probably could have done that better. And then it's like, oh, the people are expecting you usually to fight back so then they can fight back. But when you take the responsibility, People can't continue to argue with them. It's like, okay, yes, sorry, I, I, I'm going to try to do better next time. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's made my life so much easier. Uh, it's a good way to go about it. And some days are certainly easier than others. Oh, like absolutely. When I've had good sleep, feeling good, <laughs> eating well, problem comes up, you know, no ways we'll sort it. But when I'm tired, training's going bad, things are down the tubes, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit more difficult. But uh, I find those are the days that build the resilience. Exactly. And they're the days that you kind of go, oh, did I really show up my best today? And then... That's how you start getting better at it. You go, okay, I'm not going to let my mood affect my actions. I'm going to try and stay consistent with that and stay consistent. And that's where it always comes for me back to values. Like mm-hmm. if I'm reacting and getting angry at something, is that me being kind? No, it's not. Not to the other person, not to myself. Is that me being grateful for the life that I'm living? Is that me being empathetic? All these values that I think are really important, the more that I check in on them and go, am I living to those values? Am I living to those values? It's just made me such a happier person. Yeah. Where do you want to go? I'd love to talk about your podcast just quickly because mm-hmm. you actually helped me get over the line starting my podcast, which I which I really appreciate. And you've just built that from the ground up, grinding out. For someone that wanted to start something at the moment, what would you suggest to them? Exactly what I suggested to you. Just start. Okay. If, you're, if you're happy with your first episode, then you waited too long to put it yeah, out. I like that one. It's, um, and as well, at the end of the day, your first episode is not going to get that many listens, no matter who you are. I mean, unless you're you, yours is probably <laughs> going to get a lot. No. <laughs> unless you got millions of subscribers. I made the grind. Follow them up. Yeah, but the unless grind is the fun part. Like I look at the podcast as... I mean, now my podcast does okay numbers, but it didn't for so long. Mm. And it's more so... I didn't look at it about making money, about making followers it was about making impact and making connections and that's the two biggest things that i've learned that i've done and i've achieved in my podcast like my connections from it is invaluable i'll give you an example i mean and you know you know jahan the um tiktoker jahan's a legend legend. we're getting him on the podcast soon he's a great guy you gotta get him on he's amazing this is just kind of going off that story i would have never met this guy if it wasn't for having my podcast i reached out i'd love to have you on the podcast sure mate great 
I had some family stuff going on to do with grandparents' wills and stuff that we needed a lawyer to help out with. And I was like, oh, who do I know? And I was like, oh, I'll call Jahan. Yeah. Of course, mate, I'll help you out here. We'll waive the fee, blah, blah, blah. That's just because I've got a podcast. Like, And I had a, gave him the time of day to tell his story. Amazing. I've met this new person. Another one. I had um, Jack Doohan, F1 driver on recently. I've been loving the F1 recently. And I'm Incredible. like, how am I ever going to get to go and watch one of these bloody yeah. F1s? And I have a mutual friend with him, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to DM him and say, hey, would you be keen to come on the podcast? And he's like, yeah, man, absolutely. Come for a surf tomorrow morning with me and my friend Mick Schumacher. And I was like, sweet. Nice. So I go have a surf with him the next day. We do the podcast. We've been chatting like almost every couple of days now. We're good mates. He's like, man, I can't wait for you to be at the F1 in Melbourne watching. And I'm like, how sick is this? So the networking element of it has just been incredible. But then as well, the impact, it doesn't matter if it impacts one person that's what it's all about for me. I feel selfish. I just get to, you've been on my podcast. I just love to be curious about people's stories. And when you ask people questions that have depth to them, you can really learn a lot. And I've learned so many things myself, but when you do it as a podcast, everyone else gets to listen to it and learn too. So that's the way I look at it. The money side of stuff and the growth and the numbers side of stuff. Yeah. is pretty. And yeah, is obviously the goal for most people to get to, but if that's the goal at the start, you're going to fail. It should be about building a network and building, um, yeah, valuable content so the people that listen, even if it is a small amount, are getting something out of it. And the people are so important. Like, mm-hmm. one of my biggest values is people are the most important part of life. Like, you can mm-hmm. have everything, but if you don't have good people around you to share it with, then you really don't have much at all. And I find doing podcasts, yeah, great to meet people, sit down, have a good chat face-to-face. Yeah. I can't do Zoom. I'm, I'm, ter- I'm terrible with Zoom. Zoom's hard. <laughs> Until you start getting international guests, yeah. try and do them all in person. Um, but yeah, the people are incredibly important. And you never know when you could help your mate out in one of those situations. Or Jahan's even helped me with a contract. Like, my man Jahan's just helping everyone out. But it's so cool. Like you said, it's very rare in society that you sit down face-to-face with someone for 60, 90 minutes without a phone, without distractions. It's like almost never podcasting is the one thing that I feel an absolute privilege. I've had 130 guests on or more than that in the past two and a half years. Like that's 130 long conversations. That's like what almost a week dead straight of every hour of the week. I've got to sit there and talk to someone and give someone the space to share their story because it's a skill and I feel like I've gotten so much better at it. And if I hadn't had my podcast, I wouldn't be as good at maybe public speaking as I am because I feel like you learn through action and I've just been so fortunate to have so many incredible people on the podcast now and hopefully yeah continue to grow it that's something I've really enjoyed about like that undistracted chat with someone to be curious Mm. that space to ask questions to see how someone ticks how they operate and that's part of what motivated me to start the podcast to understand people better Mm. and, and what makes them work and that's the thing even if you're like someone sitting there listening now going oh no one's gonna listen to my podcast Literally just put a recorder between you and your best mate and go, I want to get to know your story a bit. I'll give you an example. I had one of my really close friends. His name's Ned on my podcast. He's a really big fashion photographer. Absolute legend. But we've only been friends for the last four or five years. And my podcast is quite unique. I always do a chronological of the person's life, talk about their upbringing, their school, what they thought school was going to be like, and then we move on to what they're doing now in their career and whatnot. And I interviewed one of my best friends, 
And he told me that he was like national pole vault champion in school. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And I was just know, like, yeah. are you kidding? Like, you would never have known that. And he was my, one of my best mates. And then he's like, and then I went to America and I worked at Camp America. Like, and that's how I got into photography. They just had a camera line around. They said, does anyone know how to shoot photos of the camp? And that's how I got into the photography. And now I still go back to America mm. for two months a year. And I didn't even know that my mate goes there for two months a year. I just thought he was over shooting stuff. Yeah, but no, he's working fun. for Camp America. I'm like, how's the things that you don't know about the people closest to you just because we don't ask them the questions? Mm. So, well, podcast is great for that. <laughs> I've, been, I've been loving it. And just, yeah, giving someone the space to open up, mm. be vulnerable, even share share their, their perspectives. One thing I've heard you talk about before, getting your value tied up in sport and when things don't go your way, being a bit down, mm. that is a constant battle. And as an athlete, oh. something that... I feel like I've never overcome, but it's something I'm always trying to be better at. Mm. What's your experience been like in that? Oh, it's hard. And, and and I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. If you don't care enough, you're obviously not going to win. Mm. So it's a, it's a fine line of balance in this really caring, but then not really caring, which I found it very difficult to do, especially in my younger years, in my late teens, my early 20s. I was so entrenched in external validation. When I'd do well in my surf comp, people would pat you on the back. You'd feel really good. Everyone wants to be your mate. And then you'd start doing poorly in comps and the attention's taken away away and you start telling yourself stories in your head that you're not a good person because of it. You're not the same person you were back then. And then, I I mean, I've learned some great lessons along the way and I got taught these many times when I was your age in my early 20s, but it just needs to click at the right time, I think. Sometimes, like I said, I just got tired of being feeling like the world was against me and I kept like doing well in comps and I'd feel good and then poorly and I couldn't really work it out and then I spoke to my sports psychologist and we're kind of just going through a few different things and we got to this point where it's like mate you're just basing so much of your self-worth your identity on Cooper the pro surfer but pro surfing is what you do but it's not who you are like who's Cooper Chapman and I was like it was the first time that someone had ever really asked me that because I'd, I'd grown up from nine years ten years old a sponsored surfer the top of the country throughout my teen years like that was who I was in my mind and I didn't know who I was outside of that and that was when yeah he said to me like all right that's what you do it's not who you are and then he said what are your values and I was like I don't really know and he's like come on like what are your values how like, old were you at this stage I would have been like 21, 22. Yeah, kind of. And I was just like, I don't really know. Where do I find him? And he's like, I mean, do you read? And I was like, not really. And he's like, I want you to start reading some other people's books, some different sports stars. The first one I read was Open by Andre Agassi. Fascinating. I don't care too much about tennis, but that book was phenomenal because it goes on to talk about that he hated tennis. His dad pushed him into it. He was into drugs and alcohol and all this really gnarly stuff, and he hated it. And then in his mid-20s, he created a school for disadvantaged kids in Las Vegas and he started to donate all his prize money to that and he loved playing tennis again at the end of his career. He started to actually enjoy his life again. And that's what I got out of the book. For me, it felt like, oh, he learned his values. He learned, oh, there's more to life than just trying to win competitions being pissed off at my dad that he pushed me into tennis. There's, okay, I can make a choice each day. Do I want to wake up and think the world's against me or can I wake up and go, okay, what can I do to make the world a better place? And then I started to, yeah, understand, okay, so what are my values and how do you find your values? You just look for people that you're inspired by, look for people who you look up to and try and emulate the best parts of them. So for me, the five values that I'm really big on now is first one's responsibility. Like we've spoken about a little bit on this podcast, I think it's the first step for anyone to improve is being able to take responsibility. I think step one's awareness that you need to take responsibility yep. and step two is action. 
I always say to people, knowledge is knowing, wisdom is doing. Got to have a crack. Yeah, exactly. We we all know a lot of really good things that we should be doing for our health, whether it be sleeping enough, eating nutritious food, getting sunlight, getting exercise. We all know all these things, but he's actually doing it. And I say that as just an accountability, like little quote at the back of my head every day. Knowledge is knowing, wisdom is doing. I don't want to do that, but I have to. I should do it. Could, should. Don't. Exactly. So yes, that's step one for me is responsibility. The second thing I always talk about is gratitude. Once I got exposed to gratitude, I was like, you can either live thinking the world's against you or thinking the world's for you. And I started to, yeah, really learn about gratitude and understand like, okay, do I want to look through the positive lens or the negative lens? That was the way that I started to look at it and started going, okay, I can either be disappointed that I'm not here or I can be happy that I'm here. And and I'll give you an example of this. I just lost my sponsor for surfing. I was getting paid like 50 grand a year to surf, which is basically exactly how much it cost me to travel. I didn't have to worry about money to do my career. And then I got dropped when I was like 23. I just had my best year ever. I was like 45th in the world for surfing, but I got told by my sponsor, sorry, we don't think you're going to get into the top 30, which is where we need you to be. See you later. So you have the best year? Had the best year Everything I'd ever had. going your way? And you, and you yeah, got close to almost going my way. I was very close to getting to where I really wanted to be, but yep. I was still the best I'd ever been. And then they're like, all right, you got to go. So for then two or three years, this is like 22 to 20 or 23 to 25 maybe, I started to think, oh, the world's against me. There's all these other surfers who are ranked way lower than me that are getting paid way more than me. Like, fuck this, this is shit. Sorry yeah. if I can't swear on your podcast. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we, want, we want you to be you. And I was just like, the world was against me. And I was like working full time as a tradie, 50 hours a week. And then I'd spend that money to go to the next event. I'd be at the event going like, I can't believe that guy's getting paid. And then I remember one day I was sitting on the beach in South Africa, getting ready to paddle out for a big heat. And I was sitting there like with this shitty mindset. And I was like, wait a second. I can either be disappointed and resentful towards the fact that I'm not getting this or... I can sit here and go, how good is this? All of my mates that I work with full-time are still at home right now, and I'm sitting here in South Africa about to go and surf and compete. Like, this is amazing. So it was about perception and starting to go, okay, so often we compare across and up, whereas it's not about comparing across and down, but it's about going, okay, well, there is some good things going on in my life. Yeah, perspective. So I just started going like, you know what? I'm going to, instead of traveling the world the last two years of my career, like going, I wish I was getting paid more. I was like, how lucky am I that I get to do this? And we can all do that in different parts of our life. If you're lucky enough to be listening to this podcast right now through an audio device and an iPhone or whatever in a car or sitting somewhere comfortable and safe, you're doing better off than so many people. And that's what gratitude's about. Just focusing our thoughts and energy on what we do have rather than what we don't have. I'm sorry, I'm taking a very long time no, to get I, through these five values. Kelly, you, you got questions. No, I was just going to say, when you change the way you look at something, like the things you look at change. And I've mm. found in my training, say I was struggling with my reverse two and a half, I come in every day, I stand in the same position and I face the same issue. It's going short, it's going short. Instead of getting super angry and annoyed about it, back to the drawing board, sharpen the claws, think mm. how... How can I make it better? What else can I be doing? It's more basics, more this, mm. more that. And then going back up and having a crack, but finding yourself in the same position, but differently prepared mm. and having a completely different result and just changing the way you look at it yeah. can completely change the outcome for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'll go through the last three values just because these are my kind of bread and butter that I talk <laughs> about quite a bit. But 
the fi- the third one that I really like is empathy. I think empathy is a trait that we all need to have. And I look at empathy through the lens of just getting better at listening, getting better at respecting others' feelings and emotions, and just getting better at judgment, not judging people going like, I don't really know what they're going through. If you think about every day that you've gone through and the challenges that you've had to deal with in your life, every time I walk past anyone now, I go, wow, that person's had to go through just as much, if not more, themselves as well. So I can't judge the way they're tr- acting right now. Who knows what they're going through? Um, and then like a big one with empathy is listening. It's something that I struggle with quite a bit, but there's a quote that helps me a lot with it and it goes, listen, don't just wait to talk. And it's been so important with podcasting because quite often you'll see a podcaster write questions down and they'll ask you a question and they're not actually listening to what you're saying. They're just waiting to ask the next question and then it's an average podcast because it doesn't have any flow. It's not a conversation. It's an interview. And a lot of us are just waiting for our chance to speak without actually listening and going, wow, I'm really curious and going, putting yourself in that person's shoes and going like, wow, they're really excited about that thing they did today. Maybe I'll try and put myself in how that feels rather than just go, oh yeah, that's great. Good on you. It's like actually put yourself there. So that's empathy for me. Next one's mindfulness. We spoke about it already a bit in this podcast, but yeah, just taking time each day to be present. And then the last one's kindness. I just wish we got explained in the media at school the power of kindness that kinder people are happier people it's releasing the happiness chemicals in our mind serotonin oxytocin when we do kind things for others and i think most of us know that feeling that it feels good when we do something nice for someone else but when you do it actively it's a beautiful thing and i break once again kindness into three categories being kind to yourself and that's just always being curious what things can i do that can make me healthier whether it be learning how to breathe correctly through your nose what's something you've been doing recently Kind to for yourself. me being kind to myself yeah. run us through all three and something you've done recently okay so being kind to myself a big one that i i have this thing at the moment at home me and my girlfriend have a whiteboard that says full potential and we have 14 tasks and then the seven days of the week written out so 14 times by seven is 101 so basically we have a out of 100 how well we do for the week and we have 14 habits i'm going to butcher them all but these are all different habits that are being yeah. kind to ourselves each day that we know make us reach our full potential so on the board we have breath work meditation stretching um taking our supplements what else communicating as a couple doing some work um what else do we have on there oh 30 minutes of exercise getting in nature just all these like simple like habits that we all we have like no phone before and after 7 a.m 7 p.m do you go no phone after 7 p.m yeah i try to try to these are, so these are all things that if I get 101 I've reached my full potential for the week the best I've done in six weeks of doing it is like 68 yep. so I, I know I'm never going to get 100 but it's about okay keeping accountable to these things that are being kind to myself so one of the main ones that I do every morning before I check my phone before I get out of bed is breath work I just do 20 minutes of breath work I know it's good for me bang there's a way to be kind to myself um, being kind to others is another big one and it's funny being kind to others it works in two ways there's obviously smiling at strangers when someone you go and buy a coffee like looking them in the eyes and going thank you so much i hope you have a really nice day watch how much that impacts someone because it's rare now to look at someone in their eyes and actually genuinely mean it that's an easy way to be kind to others but then as well receiving kindness is something that we all need to get better at for 70 percent of us when somebody offers a gift or a compliment we do this weird little oh i don't deserve that do you feel like that when people give you a gift or a compliment i try to just say thank you but sometimes it's hard and right? move on sometimes if you feel like undeserving yes yes it, it is difficult but when you do that whole weird oh no no like when someone's like here i got the next beer and you're like no no, no i'll get it 
when you do that, that's actually blocking them a chance to do something that's kind, that makes them feel good. So when we do this whole weird... Oh, no, but I've just been doing the boys solids and they don't know it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. So just learning to accept compliments has been a big one for me as well because that's just helping spread more kindness. And then the third thing is being kind to the environment. Like I used to pick up rubbish and almost do it to, once again, external validation. Younger Cooper's a lot different to Cooper now. I'd pick it up and look around at anyone see me do it. <laughs> now I pick up rubbish. It makes me yeah. feel really good to know that I'm trying to clean the planet up so by throwing rubbish in the bin it makes me feel good so there's five values that i've kind of started to work on they're always evolving i'm going to continually add ones take ones out and it's all just about the chapters in your life which ones are important to you at that time when you started living by your values how did your life change i was far less swayed by people's opinions if someone didn't like me or didn't agree with something that i was doing i was like well I've decided that these values are important to me and if I'm not living to them, then that's on me. But if I'm living to them and people don't agree with it, that's fine. So I've got, I feel like I've just gotten a lot more sure of myself of not taking on criticism as bad. And I think that comes back to, once again, the empathy thing I was talking about of receiving criticism when somebody says something criticizing to me. By Are having, you talking about constructive criticism or exactly. if someone's having a crack? Okay, we're talking constructive. We're talking... But okay. sometimes people having a crack can be constructive without you realizing. If they're thinking it for a reason, then they're saying it for a certain reason. So I was like, where's the truth in what they're saying? And if someone's having a real crack, I just have empathy for them. I'm like, yeah. what is that person going through? And it's like, I can either get reactive to everything or I can just be like, you know what? It's not gonna, I'm not going to let that person's energy ruin my day. But yeah, I think the more I've matured, the more by living to these values, it's just given me like a solid baseline to come back to. I don't feel like I'm like lost. Like, who am I? It's like, nope, you're your values. Live to them every day and your mental health, your well-being will take care of itself. Good things will fall around you when you're each day trying to live to those values. I've had a slightly different approach. I've never actually written down my values, although I do think it would be a very value step. But I've always found having a goal uh, Mm. is what's kept me pretty pretty centered and like you were saying when someone gives you that hate or we'll call it constructive feedback Mm. that you do take on board what you can and i've always found i listen to the people i trust that are around me like if you come over and we're like hey sam like maybe you should think about how you're doing this or reconsider Mm. how this could look i take it on board because i trust you you know me but if there's especially with social media these days the right to give advice yeah you know how it is uh Old mate Stephen reckons he knows. You know, you, you take that with a with a grain of salt. And I've always found that's keep me quiet, centered, and, and mm. directed. So I feel like there's there's a few different ways to go about it. Oh, absolutely. And then when things did start rolling on, and you started feeling better. Is that when the good human factory started? Kind of. I yeah started to develop these values. I started to. I'll give you the story really. So I lost my sponsor. I was like working full time as a tradie. How else can I make a bit of money? What trade by the way? I did like landscaping for eight months to a year for a friend of mine. Um, And then I did building or like construct or carpentry. I was like a, a, like a trade, a family friend just sort of like brought me on the work site for a year and a half to like be a laborer, but he kind of taught me how to use the tools and do everything. So I really enjoyed it, to be honest. It was something that I could see maybe my future going down because I like to use my hand. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I like to build stuff. It was fun, but... Yeah, I'm similar. I like... Yeah, it, it was enjoyable, but I started to get like, is this really me? Am I going to be this old, crunky, grumpy guy on a work site? So I was like, what else? And I was like, okay, maybe I can run some surf camps for young kids on the northern beaches. And that can, um, yeah, create a bit of an income. So I ran these two surf camps... And during the camps, I did like surfing, skating, nutrition, board design. But one of the things that I talked about was mindfulness. I did a visualization exercise with all the kids. And after the um, after the training camps, a few of the parents came up to me and said, oh, the kids were really raving about the visualization. They loved it. Never any intention thinking I was going to go and talk about it. And then something happened. My younger sister lost two friends to suicide in a fortnight um, in her last year of school. Sorry to hear yeah, tough. Like at the time, I I mean, they weren't like her good friends, but just two guys in her year took their own life. For, there's reasons why. But anyway, I was just like, are you kidding? There's these kids in my local area that are that sad and upset and don't have the capacity to deal with what's going on in life that they're doing the unthinkable. And I, I remember I was sitting around the dinner table and I could see my dad like quite visibly recognizing that I was quite pissed off almost by this so i started looking up some of the stats and i was like holy shit mental illness is like this really big thing and i'd had some family history like i lost an uncle when i was a kid to suicide i watched my dad go through a few different mentally health challenges himself throughout my teen years with like alcoholism depression anxiety nothing super bad but i was always aware mental health and mental illness is a thing and that was kind of the reason why I was very forward thinking when it came to finding these values asking my sports psych oh how can i improve because I was always very fearful. Maybe I'm going to fall down this family history of mental illness. My mum would kind of unbeknowingly joke about like, oh, it runs in the family, blah, blah, blah. Like, you better be careful. So I was always fearful. And I was fearful, but I was also felt guilty that I couldn't go and ask a psychologist or complain about my problems because I'm a pro surfer. I'm living a beautiful life. Why can I complain about my life? So I was kind Even of- Even some of the most elite athletes, most successful Mental people. health doesn't discriminate. I've learned that since I'm older it's and hopefully hard. anyone listening can know that too. It doesn't matter if you're the most successful person in the world, you can have mental health challenges, it's fine. So anyway, my sister lost those two friends. I was like, what can I do about this? And my dad's like, oh, remember the kids all said they liked the mindfulness. Maybe you could go and speak to the kids at the local school that I went to, Narrabeen Sports High. Maybe you can help one or two kids to pick up a skill. All right, sweet. So I call my old school teacher, his name's Woody Legend. I've got to catch up with him <laughs> soon actually. Tell him my idea. Hey, can I maybe come and speak to the kids? And he's like, let's go have a beer at the Coleroy and um, have a chat. Sweet. So we go and have a beer. 
tell him like oh, did you hear about the kids at the other school he's like yeah what a, how dreadful is that and i was like can i maybe like come and talk to um some of the kids at narrabeen about my journey some of the skills i've learned and maybe it can help some of them and he's like it was like right before the end of school and i was about to go to hawaii i think it was in 2018 yeah, hawaii is a beautiful place it's so good and he's like go and create a presentation come back turn one you can present it to the kids great so I go and do that. I presented to the kids. It was so bad. Actually, part of that story, more having beers. That is that your first public talk? Yeah, I'd never done public speaking in a training. Nothing. When you say it was how bad, what? It was terrible. What, what happened? What were you feeling? Uh, it was just like looking back at the screen and kind of reading off the screen, and then kind of looking at the kids, and then not really knowing what, like what I was doing, and like it was done on like PowerPoint with like <laughs> clip art and shit. It was terrible. But the, the funny thing is that's where the name actually came from. So Woody, when we are having beers that first day, he's like, you're such a good human for wanting to do this. And he's like, what would you want to call it? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, why don't you call it like the good human factory? They come to the factory and they leave a bit better. And I was like, yeah, awesome. sweet. So that's where the name came from. It's stuck. Yeah, it's stuck. Yeah, anyway. Thanks, Woody. Yeah. I came, once he said it, I was like, oh, how can I make the logo? And because my name's Cooper, I've got double O in it. I always sign my signature as smiley under the OO. So then when it was like the good humor factory, I was like, oh, good i'll make it a smiley and then i was like oh let's make the good yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've got some of these too. socks yeah on. the good smiley socks oh, yeah. they're so good they're, the, inside they're out, the most so. comfy socks <laughs> yeah. um well, anyway but. sorry this is a really long part of the story but so i come back i talked to him about my workshop at the time i'm still surfing like full time and i'm working 50 hours a week as a tradie so for the first two years it was nothing it was like one workshop a name of a thing no business i hadn't like charged anyone if i like looking back i wish i just did way more for free i wish i just went and got more how many did you do for free at the start like probably only like a couple okay because at the start i was only trying to charge like 300 bucks which looking back it's really hard to get paid really little because it's like you don't have any credibility it's like mm, do we want to go pay someone two grand or 300 bucks probably the guy that's two grand <laughs> yeah. anyway, you're better off just doing them for free until you can charge the big bucks i don't know i mean hopefully you guys are going to start speaking for the good human factory yeah. i'm going to charge you guys out at a premium fee because i trust that you guys I'm keen all to jump into story. that though like the public speaking is something i'd like to get more into and that's why I find this journey so interesting because anyone who's either done a public talk or they find it terrifying and they've done one and it hasn't gone great or might have been similar to your experience, after your first one, how are you, how are you feeling and, and why did you continue if you didn't feel like it was good? Oh, it's a hard feeling. I think just because at the end of the day, the why has been so strong. If one person in each workshop leaves with one little thing that might improve their day for five minutes then I feel like I've done my job. So my expectations have always been so low when I go into a room and speak to people. I'm not trying, I know I'm never going to change every person in the room. You go in to speak to a room of a hundred people. There's not a single topic that you can engage every single person. And then you throw in the fact that my topic is mental health. You lose a bunch of the room again. So I've never really put too much pressure on myself because my why has always been like, you know what? I just want to help people. If a bunch of people laugh me off the stage because they don't think it's good, whatever. (laughs) I know that, I'm just out here trying to help them. So if that's the way it goes, then that's the way it goes, which is a hard mindset because people are obviously so fearful of public speaking. But my fear of public speaking was so outweighed by the importance of 
the story that I was getting to share. And back then, my keynote was terrible compared to what it is now. It had no structure. It had no flow. But I just started, and I started to get feedback. That's something that I'm going to talk to you about, and maybe this is a good thing to talk to people. If you are looking to get into public speaking, this is something I wish I did earlier in my speaking is get feedback from every workshop. Now, whenever I do a workshop, I have gratitude cards on every card. It has a QR code. People scan the QR. I ask them at the end. It goes to a feedback form. I get like a little quick bit of data, but it shows me how'd you feel before, how'd you feel after. And after 30,000 people, the average is it goes from a 5.8 feeling out of 10 to leaving my workshop is 8.3. So it's 25% direct improvement. And that's helped so much with the imposter syndrome of who am I to go and speak to these people? Is what I'm doing actually working? The numbers don't lie. The data is such a beautiful way and you ask for feedback, you ask for testimonials and then you start to go, okay, they said it was too long, Mm, it was a bit boring, more activities and that's how I've tweaked everything is just by constantly refining and constantly taking feedback and not getting butt hurt by the feedback (laughs) going, okay, where's the truth? Well, it's very hard when you get one person go, oh my God, I love the podcast clips in it to the next person going, I hated the podcast (laughs) clips. It's like, well, who's right? So you kind of learn how to sift through (laughs) the feedback. Yeah, that's um, been my journey with speaking. I've just always been so passionate. And it is a lot easier when you... My keynote is my story. I tell my story. So it's a lot easier to tell your story than try and talking about a topic that you don't really know to give a presentation on. So it's a bit different to like the old school presentation on To Kill a Mockingbird where you're yeah. like, oh, I've got to study. Like, I'm not just gonna... only do I not particularly interested in the book. Exactly. I'm not great at reading. Yeah, or... Exactly. So I... when you're telling your own story, it's a lot easier. I always found in school the presentations... I sometimes struggle with and I thought that I was just bad at public speaking and wasn't very good at talking in front of people but it was because that particular structure and everything works for people differently of having a super rigid line for line like I remember one assignment we had to submit what we were going to say and then go and say it I was like it's like the Achilles heel for me I'm good at just doing my research and then presenting and talking and speaking from my own understanding not Mm. what I've written down and I thought that there wasn't a place for that mm. when I was in school because that wasn't the measure of success within the field. And that's the thing. Thinking back to school, like public speaking at school is so different to giving a speech. Public speaking at school is like write palm cards and like try and look yeah. down and look up. Like yeah. I haven't, I've like never, I've people you're never given a speech scores. with a palm. Maybe I did do palm cards my first workshops. No, I don't think I did. I found it really hard to read off. It's them, really so. hard to read off palm cards, but. It's just like knowing your content and doing it over and over. And now, like, I've presented the same keynote close to 200 times. So it's like I could get yeah, up Yeah, tell and us do about it. your reach. You're, you've now grown the Good Human Factory talks. How many people have heard the speech? Uh, I, th- I need to get better with, like, my analytics and data. <laughs> but approximately 40,000 students with, wow. like, 85 schools um, over the past three years, which is pretty cool it's it's been quite difficult to build the reputation at schools to build the credibility to get your foot in the door because obviously you're walking through school gates you have to have working with children check you have to have a bit of trust and yeah that's taken me years to really build the reputation and get some um, consistent bookings which has been great uh, and then with corporates, I've probably done close to 10,000 corporates, but it's been cool. The last year I've done like Apple, Telstra, wow. Amazon, McDonald's, Red Bull. So to get to work with companies like that and then other companies like Collier's Engineering and just the beautiful thing about what I do is mental health is everybody. There's not a single industry that 
can't have me come in and speak. So it's um it's, it's a good place to be in. But I love that the way that I talk about mental health is a bit different. The whole mental health industry is based around mental illness, but I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to show, hey, mental illness is something that 20% of us have. Mental health is something 100% of us have. And you see most people when you go into a room and go, hey, I'm here to talk about mental health today. You see 80% of them go, mm, that's not for me. I don't have mental illness. But it's like, no, you have mental health. I'm here to take you from a six to a nine. I'm here to take you from a four to an eight. And hey, if you've got a mental illness and you're down in a one or two, maybe I can bring you from a two to a four. It's about always trying to get better. Like I take the feedback. Very rarely do people say I'm a 10 at the start. So it's like, okay, how do we open our mind when somebody comes to share some stories with us and maybe try and pull out of it? Even someone that has known you for a while, the first time I heard your speech... I even took a lot of value from that and learnt from it. And as a elite athlete, a lot of the psychology stuff isn't necessarily taught to us mm. as well. We've had to learn. Well, personally, I feel like I've had to learn a lot of my own mental strategies, mental tips on my own and, and take those away. So it was interesting hearing yours and your story and what, what you've used and how that can apply to anyone. Yeah, well, I've been like, like I've read a lot of books. Like, like I said earlier, I've had a sports psychologist bits and pieces throughout. Where was like, your sports psych? Was that through Surfing Australia? The Surfing Australia. Yeah. yeah. So we had like a Surfing Australia in-house sports psych, Jason Patchell. He's great. He's been on my podcast actually. You should listen to the episode. It's really interesting. He talks a lot about the value stuff. That's where I learn all of that. Um, but yeah, I've learned from him. And then like Ben Crow came and spoke at an Olympic surfing training camp that I got a lot of really cool lessons from. But yeah, it's just like curiosity. I've just always been fascinated by like, hey, we can completely change our life by just thinking stuff differently and learning stuff. So I've just always had this curiosity to continually learn and find out different things and not think that I know everything. Like there's nothing worse than having a closed mind, I don't think. Yeah, and even just being able to change the way you view something, having that actual mm. actual effect and seeing that come into play. Like when things like your talking started to roll and you started to gain Maccas and Amazon, these big deals started coming in. How did that feel for you? Did it feel like you were just plucking along, doing your day-to-day thing, but you were doing bigger things? Or was it like, oh, like I've really made it now? What was it like going from the talk where you felt like you had no idea to these big corporation talks? I mean, I definitely don't feel like I'm like anywhere close to where I want to be. Like I'm not in a real... I mean, I'm not in a bad position, but like financially, like the business could be in a place where it's, yeah, making me, not that it's about making money, but in a place that I'm not stressed about rent and whatnot, which is getting there. Definitely like getting those big companies to take on my work and have me in to speak to their employees has been just great, I guess, for the credibility, but also for me to know that, hey, my story is something that people are getting something out of. Like a big thing's been imposter syndrome, but obviously booking more big clients and having the trust for them for you to come in and speak to them. And then once again, taking the data and getting the feedback and going, okay, it's actually making an impact. It's um, It's been really cool, but I mean, I still pinch myself like getting up on stage. I, I don't really get nervous anymore. It's so weird. I look at it like now it's like almost a performance. Like I get up on stage and it's like almost... A high performance. Yeah, high performance. I get up on stage and it's like, I look at it like Fisher when he goes and DJs. My brother-in-law, it's like you get up and you're playing a role. You're a performer. And that's what a speaker is. It's like you're getting up and you're performing because like the way I speak in my talks is a bit, quite different to how I'd speak in a conversation mm. with you. It's different to how I'd speak in a podcast. Yep. You have to like turn it on and off. And that's something that I'm learning to get better at. And there's a quote that has helped me so much because as people know, public speaking is the most feared thing in the world. It's more feared than death. 
but I actually find it quite easy. And it's because of this quote that says, the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. It's from a book called um, The Confidence Gap by Dr. Russ Harris. Fascinating book. And it just starts to talk about the psychology of confidence. And I'm like, wait, if I'm going to wait until I'm confident to get up and do this speech, I'm never going to do it. And then I'm also like, quite often, like I'll book stuff in without even having like, the fully prepared for it but then i'm like you know what i can get up and act confident for this or i can get up and be nervous and of course it's going to go poorly for example yesterday i interviewed um jess fox a paddler canoeist gold medalist in tokyo one of the best australian athletes of all time for red bull live at a conference on stage with yeah. 350 people and watching at it. the time you've never done asking questions never done an interview like i that mean i've done 130 podcasts with guests so i feel very confident interviewing people but i've never done it in front of a live live crowd yeah and i was just like you know what i'm just gonna own it and pretend i know what i'm doing i threw in some jokes and i just acted like i knew yeah. what i was doing and at the end i felt super confident yeah. because the act came before the feeling about that that's that's winning because who really knows yeah. No one really knows. Yeah. If you're confident and back what you do, then they don't know. They don't know. They believe it. If like yeah. if you if you believe if it, you believe it, then <laughs> they, they believe, believe it. it. Like, exactly. I've even had competitions where I've gotten up and training hasn't been great, but you just stick to the process. You know, try to even though you don't feel really confident, you try to just do the best that you can, and you mm-hmm. have a personal best. You go out, you win, you have a great day, mm. and so like, I didn't even feel great. Yeah. But I just gave it a crack and it worked out. Yeah, I got told something once again from Parton Lynch. I haven't mentioned him in a podcast ever, let alone twice in a podcast. But I remember he told me something one day. He was like, you're going to win at your best and you're going to win at your worst and you're going to lose at your best and you're going to lose at your worst. Like you're going to win when you're feeling your best and then you're going to win when you're feeling your worst and you're going to lose when you're feeling your absolute best and you're going to lose when you're feeling your worst. So don't go into an event where you're like feeling flat. And how often do you like do well when you're injured because you have no expectation? Oh, or even you've had a terrible run into a competition and you're like, oh, well, it's yeah, give it my best. Or you've had the best run. Like our recent world championships, I had great training, feeling great, sleeping well, eating well, everything's going to plan. And I made one mistake on one dive that took me out of the final, making yeah. the final. And that that's all it can take. Or... Mm. You have a terrible run. You don't feel great. You've been a bit sick. The year before, I, was, I had like a mad science infection. I was like having these fevers. They gave me antibiotics. I felt better. I went out, top 10 in the world. Crazy. Isn't one of them one? had a better run than the other, but one of them performed mm. better than the other as That's well. That's what I mean. Like you can have perfect preparation, poor performance, and you can have terrible preparation and perform well. So the reason I say that is that comes back for me is the act of confidence comes before the feeling. If you're like, oh my God, like this isn't going to be a good day. It's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to start telling myself, telling my body that it's going to be a good day. And then if it's not, so be it. It was probably going to be a bad day anyway if you went into it with a negative <laughs> mindset. And if it comes yeah. out across well, then good on you. Another I like to think about when things are a little difficult is what if it, what if it works? And what if it turns out better than you thought? Mm, There's been that. times where things have literally turned out so much better than I thought. Like what I'm doing today isn't even a hundredth of what I dreamed of doing. Mm. I loved making videos as a kid. And I thought maybe I could get, you know, 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. That'd be, I thought if I could do that, that'd be, that'd be huge. Three million. You get up to, I think, I think, did we just hit four with Minchero? No, I think you're on 3.9. 3.9, 3.9. 9. 4 million. Like, it's just incredible. But then you don't even feel like you're on top of the world. It just feels like you're doing your daily, your it daily doesn't change anything, does it? Daily processes. 
Not much changes. Is there yeah. another plaque for ten million? No, there is. That's our next goal. Is there a ten million get, plaque? Yeah, I've told I've told Ramon if we can get ten million, you can apply to get a second. I believe. What do you mean? Get because it? he shoots. Oh, you a can lot get two. Content. Okay, I think you can look after your team. Ah, so th- if you get to ten million, geez, yes. there mustn't be too many ten million subscriber channels. Yeah, that that'd be incredible. That's like a unicorn. Even hundred k, I held the plaque and I thought, I thought achieving this would be impossible and I didn't think I, I could do that and then you hold it and you thought you know what a million I just had to find the way yeah, yeah. Just like, you're just, holding that and you're like yeah. I want the gold <laughs> <laughs> then you get the gold and it's like alright for the diamond but nah, it's so hard to build I've like spent money on like filming such nice content and like yeah. really cool videos for YouTube yeah, I think are, I've got like a hundred subscribers it's just shorts like, are the way I it, gave up long form's a different game I'm trying to figure it out at the moment it'll come it'll come but the podcast is definitely the space I wanted to jump into as well because I've always been curious. Well, you always want to ask the questions. And mm. in those moments where I've looked in the mirror and said, is this for me? Like, can I do this? And then you pull through. I wonder what the answer is for someone else. What do you mean with... Those moments where you doubt yourself and you don't believe you can do it. Or you're pushing mm. really hard because I find when you're pushing, you're not nailing everything all the time. For example, in training... Uh, the front four and a half one of my hardest dives I could do the three and a half and nail it every day of the week mm. I could wake up at 1am turn up tired and I could drill it the four and a half it requires like being in nearly a peak physical condition I still find it really difficult mm. so I find if you're striving to be the best you're constantly failing because you're doing things that are difficult yeah and being able to get through things that are difficult mm. is different for each, each person so when I've found things most difficult I've found strategies like writing writing down Mm. what I want to do how how I'm going to get through it how I'm feeling and that's been really effective setting goals has been one of my most effective ways to get through it yeah I love I love the way that you just explained that if you're trying to achieve the epitome of anything whatever industry you're in you're of course going to fail because to get to close to perfect it requires thousands of failed attempts Mm -hmm. which yeah that's kind of how I look at now what I'm building with the good human factory and with being a public speaker Sure, I've had some growth and I've had a few wins on the board and work with some good clients. But I look at it like it took me 15 years to get to the top 100 surfers in the world. It might take me 15 years to get to the top 100 public speakers in the world. I'm only about four years in and I'm starting to build some good clients. So it's like setting that goal of, hey, if I want to get to here, I can't expect to jump there in one go because I'm not going to be ready anyway. Like I'm not going to be ready to speak in front of 10,000 people at a conference right now. Actually, to be honest, I reckon I would be. But... (laughs) I wouldn't have been a year and a half ago when I would have probably said yes to it a year and a half ago and I wouldn't have been ready, whereas now I would be. But yeah, I just think, I just like what you were saying there of this idea of if you're striving to get to really near the top, you need to expect that there's going to come with a lot of failures and not be disheartened by them. Look at them as learnings. And that's what Stephen Bartlett, um, who does the podcast, The Diary of a CEO, does better than anyone. He's like, just make so many micro mistakes and continue to improve on them. Always looking for those marginal gains and that's how you're just going to get ahead in life. So it's just like, just getting over it, just finding a way, mm-hmm. go around it, get through it, yeah. jump over it. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Like just, just find find a way, mm. whatever that is. Absolutely. Especially when you fight different different battles, like outside the pool, you face all kinds of challenges. Like yeah. even starting the podcast, getting graphic designers for what do I want the thumbnail to look like? I have got like a strategy. I want to put the short key uh, f- uh, videos up as well and have a different thumbnail for those. So 
you got to make like so many different choices and so many different things and just being open to fail. Like mm. another question I'd, I'd love to ask is when you gave what you believed was the, was the best talk. So when you gave what you believed was the best talk, when you went to do your second one after that, how do you not get stuck down by perfectionism thinking that maybe you gave your best talk? a hard one because every audience is different like i said before there's like obviously good and bad ones but it kind of comes down to the audience more so when it comes to speaking it's a hard one like i can deliver the best talk i feel like i've ever done and it not hit because the audience isn't really in a place to want to receive it because they're a corporate group that they've had their boss be like hey guys you got to come and do this at lunch and they're like i don't want to be here but then i can give the best one i've ever done and sure it'll engage a few people but then sometimes I've had ones where I've like, oh, I kind of missed a few of my best points. And people come up to me and be like, thank you so much. That was yeah. amazing. You get all this incredible feedback and you're like, oh, I'm just harsh on myself. So yeah, it's a hard one. It's just like trying to focus on the average, not focusing on the best and the worst one. It's like, how do you continually bring the average up to a really high quality? Because there's going to be outliers where you have... Like I have weird days now where I like get up on stage and I haven't like I don't really prepare anymore ever for my keynote because I can do it off the back of my um, hand basically. But I like I sometimes will be standing on stage and have these weird like out of body experiences where I can feel myself talking and telling the story, but I'm like thinking about like huh, I wonder far out I still need to like post that thing today, but I'll be talking. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really answer your question. But the, yeah, the whole best or worst thing is like, no, you just want to try and increase the average rather than be like, okay, how do I emulate the best one again? It's like, no, how do I just consistently bring out the best in myself? Yeah. It's amazing how your brain gets really good at doing what it's used to. Mm. Even if we're training, I could be up on 10 minutes about to send one of my dives and you still have sometimes those distracting thoughts <laughs> yeah, coming in. It's like, no, I don't care about whether yeah. I've done that. I got to focus on right here, right now. Uh, on this dive but even that's like I feel being in the moment constant battle mm. even when things are going well sometimes yeah. it's, that's it's a sometimes the battle. hardest when like things are going well because you go okay how do I emulate it mm. and then you start thinking too much it's yeah. like that flow state is such a fine line of like overthinking underthinking and like no thinking it's a uh, yeah it's a funny thing that we're all trying to chase as athletes an interesting thing for you as well your sister with Fisher, you've had some incredible experiences overseas. Could you tell us a bit about that? <laughs> yeah, the Fisher thing's cool. I mean, Fisher's been, I mean, Paul is what we call him, has been with my sister for like 12 years now. So he used to be a pro surfer. So I knew him as a pro surfer. He was kind of like a guy a few years, or like eight That's years how you guys met? I actually didn't, I hadn't met him until he started dating my sister, but I knew exactly who he was. He was a huge personality in the surf industry. So we were like, I met him. I met him before I saw him with my sister because he was sponsored by Reef and I was sponsored by Reef at the time and we we're both in Hawaii and I met him real quickly and then he's like, I'm surprising your sister and going home next week. And he was like this like loose larrick and surfer and everyone was like, oh, you wouldn't want him dating your sister. <laughs> I mean, look at him now. They're the best couple ever. But yeah, it was interesting. So then it went into he started getting out of his surfing and starting to DJ and they were living in like a granny flat out the back of my like family friend's house up until like five years ago um and then his music just took off and he became he went from cut snake to fisher he released losing it and his life changed and it's been so cool to watch it i mean he's never changed as a person i got to travel over to europe this year and watch him on tour which was pretty special i mean he 
I went to Malta for three days and then like flew on a private jet to Ibiza and then flew on a private jet to Paris and then a private jet to Wales and a private jet to Manchester. So he's living this crazy life, but he's, um, yeah, he's still doing it with the energy that he gives to every person. It's, it's pretty spectacular the way he holds himself. If I'm being honest, the way that he will DJ in front of 50,000 people, but then he'll be turning around to all of our friends and family and still give everyone their energy and be like, what do you think of that? Do you have a good time? And he just brings so many people joy. And I love it because somebody sent me a message when I was overseas um, in Europe with him this year and replied to like one of my stories going like, wouldn't it be nice if he actually put some time and energy into like helping people with their mental health or something like you do? And for a second, I wanted to bite back and give this person like a word. And I was like, he just doesn't see it. I'm like, he's making millions of people happy. happy. What, like, there's no different to what I'm doing in my own way. Like, he's, yeah. he, you know what I mean? He's doing bringing, his way. Yeah, he's Do doing it his way. Like, not everyone has to be this person trying to be a squeaky clean profile of this and that. It's like, no, he brings joy because he's exactly himself. And, and I love that. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's been really cool to watch his journey, watch my sister's journey with what she's been going through with infertility and building a huge podcast and, yeah, it's it's a pretty lucky, weird life that I get to live that I'm like, not only have this surf and cool career of business building myself, but I've got this like unicorn brother-in-law and sister <laughs> yeah. who are just like living the absolute yeah. extremes of fame and wealth in life as well, which is really cool to see. When you've seen that, lived that, done that, and then you come back and doing your own stuff, some people might think, oh, I need to be doing this or that. How do you feel about all that going on? I'm in my own lane. If I yeah. thought about that, it's like, once again, it's like external validation and like needing something to feel good about yourself. I joke about it sometimes. Like I have a podcast that does okay with downloads, but it's not even the best podcast in my family. Like my sister has a huge podcast, Darling Shine. So it's like, if I'm trying to like compare against my sister and Fisher, like I'm always going to be unhappy. Like not everyone can have the success that they have, but so I can look at it and be like, it's inspiring to me. We're all like, it's amazing. They can help me with growing my stuff. I can support them wherever I can and just get to go on the journey with them. So there's zero jealousy. I just am so proud of them, to be honest. Like they're doing such good things in the world and yeah, bringing our family and a lot of people around them along the journey with them, which is beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And being so in tune with your your values, like I've always, even as a friend, felt really supportive and looked after by yourself, always giving us... Good merch to rock every day. The mine's giving me a hard time. I've worn these like a few days this week. So <laughs> I'll, gotta, I'll send you down both. Now I'm living by myself too. Like I've I've actually got to wash them myself. So <laughs> I'll send you some more. So you don't have to yeah, wash okay, them thank too. you, thank you. Yeah. Well, the the yellow ones because I always wear suits. The yellow ones are a bit like yeah, a bit hectic, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sticking to the, the, the black the, and white. Black and white yeah. I'm actually almost out of them all, so I'm like I need to reorder them, and they take a while. So if anyone needs to get some socks, the, get on there quickly. The Good Human Factory. Yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably jump on and get some beforehand. I'll send you some more. Don't worry. Anything else you'd love to share with that audience? I mean, anything we've missed about Cooper Chapman? About Cooper Chapman? I mean, there's one thing I like to share on podcasts, my 1% club. This is one of the things that I'm probably most proud of with the Good Human Factory. I, I came up with this concept a couple of years ago. Like, I'd had my speaking, I had my podcast, I'd do the merch. But I felt like I wasn't building a community. There was people who were like an audience, but I didn't feel like it was a community. So I was like, okay, what can I do to give back to the community daily? And I was like doing a meditation one day and I was like thinking in my head, surely we can all give 1% of our day to our mental health. Everyone listening right now, hopefully you're sitting there going, 
Yeah, you know what? 1% of our what day. What is 1%? Oh, it's 1%, 1% of a day is 14 yeah. minutes, approximately. Okay. I think it's a few seconds over 14 minutes. So I was like, okay, sure, we can give 14 minutes of our day, quarter of an hour, once a day for our mental health. So I was like, okay, what are two good things that are good for your mental health? And meditation, mindfulness are things that always come up. It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost anything. You can just sit there and close your eyes and sit with your thoughts. So I was like, okay, I want to do 10 minutes of meditation every morning. And I want to do four minutes of gratitude at night, reflect on my day, think about a few of the things that went well for a couple minutes, write them down on my Instagram story. Great. And I was like... I see you do that religiously, by the way. Okay. So you probably don't even know the rest of it. So this is where it started. 860 days ago, this idea came, okay, I want to give 1% of my day to my mental health. And I was like, how can I engage the community and help them with theirs too? Because I know you're like eight times more likely to maintain a healthy habit if you have an accountability group around you. It's like how much easier is it to go to the gym when you've got a partner to go to the gym with you? A lot easier. Especially with our coaches. Exactly. I found over COVID and we didn't have the accountability coaches, Tough. like really difficult. So I was like, okay, what about if I start an Instagram group chat and every morning at 7 a.m. I'll send a 10-minute guided meditation YouTube link that you can just click on and do it. And every night I'll put on my Instagram story, three things I'm grateful for, and then I'll send it to the group chat. So that started yeah, 860 days ago Wow. with 30 people in one group chat. Now there's 1,800 people in nine different group chats, about 150 in each group chat from all around the world. Um, I haven't missed a day in two and a half years where I've sent a meditation in the morning and I put the gratitudes on my story and send it to the group. And then they all write in their group chat three things they're grateful for from their day. Mm. There's been, I think, 750,000 gratitudes written in over wow. the past two, 800 days. Well, think about it. There's 1,000 people that do three a day. There's mm. 3,000 a day some days. Quite often, there's usually about 200 that'll fill in. So about 600 a day gratitudes get written in. And I've done it for 850 days. So yeah, it's, I mean, I've, I counted for a while and then I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a free community that every day I do, um, yes, in a meditation, write three gratitudes at night. And it's just a resource for people to be like, you know mm. what? I want to do one little thing each day for my mental health. Join the 1% Club. It's free. All you have to do is send at the Good Human Factory on Instagram a DM and say, I want to join the club. You can mute the notifications and never actually write anything, but you can just read other people's gratitudes and it makes you feel good. I'll add you into a group after this and you'll see what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'd love it's just, to. It's just really cool reading other people. Yeah, I was going to say, even checking out someone else's, like what made their day. Yeah, and you go, oh, wow, I'm complaining about my day. And sometimes people go, oh, I had a really hard day today. I've lost my uncle and really struggling i lost my job and then you see like all these strangers from around the world going oh i'm so sorry to hear if there's anything i can do send me a dm like i'm here for you and these communities of people of good humans have just started supporting each other through their tough times through their good times someone's like oh i got married and then you have 30 people go congratulations send a photo good on mm. you it's created all these little communities of people just trying to support each other to take a little better care of their mental health so there you go there's my one last little thing i'll add if you want to join it just go send us a message and you'll get added in it's free and yeah it's a really nice place to be part of a community of people that are trying to be good humans you have to put me in one of those i will i'll put you in one straight after this i'd love to join one yeah well cooper thank you so much for coming on i find it again someone that i know well but just diving deeper into who you are what you do and being curious about that i really enjoy as a person i hope that you guys listening at home can find value from that as well and i really appreciate your time look forward to joining the one percent club and I'm sure we'll have you back on Diving Deep with Sanfrica very mate, soon. Mate, I can't wait. Thank you so much. This has been a fun interview. I haven't done line of questioning like this ever. So I feel like we went in some fun little tangents. It's always nice to get to come and spend some time with you. And yeah, I'm excited to watch and support your podcast and get you back on mine and talk about hopefully a gold medal around the neck at Paris. So yeah, thanks Dude, for having me on, fun. mate. Always a pleasure.
time, yeah. Oh, man. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.